Hello and welcome to the Squats and Snickers podcast, a podcast for myself, Ruth Mack and Claire Tracy, where we're inviting you into our virtual kitchen table to join in conversations on whatever is piquing our interest. So pop on your headphones, grab a coffee, head for a walk and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode, our second episode of the Squats and Snickers podcast. We have a name. I had to remember it. I've been sometimes saying it wrong. But anyway, we're back again. And this time we're going to be talking about me. That's it's all about me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest and Claire will say we have actually recorded this one before. Yes. But the... Um, but it went a bit wrong. It's <laughs> so such a shame because it's so awkward talking about yourself, isn't it? So I, I'm so glad it was you and not me. I know. And and the thing is, um, Claire was like, oh, what? We went really deep. Because I, I'm just going to start this podcast by saying that Claire made a prediction at the end of the podcast we've recorded, recorded before about the rugby, oh, yeah, about how we were going to get smashed. We didn't get smashed. Yeah. But we also yeah. didn't win, and it was I very thought sad. it was going to be like around forty twenty or something. And then James was like, "No, it's not going to be that high um, a scoring game." So he was right. He thought, "What was the end up? What was it again?" He thought it was, it was fifteen sixteen. Like, I think. Yeah, he thought the score was going to be around twenty for one of them anyway. So he was closer. It's always bad when they're right, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I thought for a minute we were going to win. I started messaging Claire, going, "Oh my god." Yeah, not really into it. Not really. I really thought we had it. I was so sad that we didn't. Like, I think it's, it's how Samoa felt when they were looking like they were running rings around us, and then we won. I was yeah. like, oh, this is what it feels like. Yeah, I only like games when we're winning. Um, I don't. Anyway. <laughs> so uh. yeah, so. We get. We wanted to give a little bit of a background into. So Claire spoke really nicely about her background into fitness and where she is now. And obviously, she's got a wealth of knowledge with S and C and art. Apparently, if you listen to that, yeah. also very arty. <laughs> a woman of many talents. No, um, I had one of my students messaging, being like, "You went to art school." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I did. I did four years." <laughs> She's a like she's just collecting those degrees. That's what it is, isn't it? Just Collect- random ones. Yeah, why not have another? Um, I haven't got quite the same pass. <laughs> um, I feel like with my background, and and we kind of spoke about it, but there's probably bits that I missed in the other podcast. So maybe I can use this as an opportunity to talk about those. But with my background, I I feel like the beginning part of my fitness journey is probably quite relatable to. A lot of our clients in the sense that um like I wasn't I say a lot of our clients not obviously not with what I'm about to say but I wasn't that typical really sporty kid like I didn't play loads of team games and get into sport that way I didn't actually I wouldn't say I was sporty at all I liked being active like I couldn't sit still um and I was always on the go and keeping active um but I wasn't sporty in school if that makes sense I kind of feel like obsessed yeah Claire was obsessed um whereas my obsession my PE teacher saying um just calm down with how much you're actually doing (laughs) I've had I've had similar conversations but that's more with just like 
being like a butterfly and everywhere <laughs> you know like oh shiny object shiny object I'm just gonna go all <laughs> over the place um but yeah no I wish do you know I do wonder because I moved around schools quite a lot when I was younger I say moved, I wasn't getting chucked out of schools can I just put that caveat in <laughs> we just <laughs> we just moved from like um and it was just happened to be at secondary school age so I spent years seven eight and nine in, in England schools so I don't know what that is in Scotland um I think it's like yeah seven I think it's I don't know what it is secondary one two and three I don't know in um in in um different schools so I've changed school every year for three years um and I felt like that was like when I went to my first secondary school they were a real outdoor education school and um I I really enjoyed sport there and there's a little bit of me that was like if I'd stayed there would I've got more into it because they were so so encouraging and I remember going and doing cross country and being like oh I'm going to be rubbish at this and actually doing all right and it's like those things that you're like oh I wonder if I hadn't but you know what I don't regret anything (laughs) but it's just um it's interesting about what could have been for Mm. sure yeah so I didn't love you know going into a new school at year eight and then everyone it was very different like in the school I was in everyone just had a go but the sport around PE definitely had a more judgmental feel and you had to wear gym knickers to do PE in the second school I went to so we had to wear just underpants basically the boys wore they were in the we just the boys wore shorts and the girls wore gym knickers and like in the school I was in before that wasn't a thing royal blue gym knickers so I know so that it's kind of creepy isn't it yeah yeah I mean this was the 90s so it wasn't even like the 80s but um yeah so I think there's like good reason why maybe I didn't like sports so much yeah forced to be wearing something so uncomfortable oh it's so weird um so yeah so I didn't play sport much as a kid but I did um love exercising and keeping active and then when I got to 16 I started going to the local sports center gym um not I say sports center it was a school gym but it was like open to the public and I was pretty obsessive about going there (laughs) and I did that for many years um yeah many years I just went to the gym but I I didn't do it in a way that I knew and like Claire and I did speak about this in the podcast we did before and I think Claire was a bit similar but I'd go in and I'd use all the machines and do a, a load of cardio. I'd probably do all the cardio as well, actually. <laughs> I just did everything. <laughs> I had no idea. But, you know, I, I remember going on the leg extension and just like doing heavy leg extensions. I got some powerful quads back then, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> and then I'd go on the rower for like 30 minutes and sweat a lot. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, I remember, I think my cardio thing back then, well, I used to do like all my swimming and all my sports. So I I don't know, I didn't really do as much, but I do remember going on the treadmill and seeing how fast I could go for 10 minutes every time. And that was like my thing, like just how fast I could go for 10 minutes every time. <laughs> that was it. I mean, But obviously like I did I, basketball, netball, swimming, running, like I did it. So I didn't need to do cardio really but that was like my little test yeah I mean I think we did it differently because I definitely went to that gym wearing baggy t-shirts and dc trainers 
<laughs> so I was wearing like just not appropriate gym wear like just skatewear really just turning up like okay cool hit train I'd work hard but they, there was a lot of cotton um how times have changed um I don't even remember what I wore but I just remember I fancied the guy who worked there so that was some motivation to go as well <laughs> I definitely I like if they're listening that you're very lovely but I definitely didn't fancy you um <laughs> but they were all very friendly that wasn't my reason for going at all but um that was like a period of time and then um I was I didn't go to university until I was 22 or just about to turn yeah 22 so I was a bit older and um, so I worked for a bit and um, went to uni to train to be a teacher um primary school teacher and um I couldn't afford the gym so much I did a, like a year in a bigger gym that was next to the university and then I ran out of money so I started running <laughs> and um it was cheaper That's I didn't run like you you had the motivation and the habit to be doing something so like you yeah. know like it might have been a reason to just slack off and not go to the gym but no you kept something up so that's really good I definitely back then I definitely um felt a lot of pressure on like staying fit and staying in good shape and you know and staying probably if I think back to that period of time staying thin it wasn't necessarily about being strong and I'm so glad that that has changed now a bit that yeah. we're more focused on being strong because back then I I was I was eating like I wasn't eating badly if that makes sense I was in I wasn't eating loads but my focus was trying to stay thin you know and I was for me probably like thin and now I feel like I'm strong and it's better place to be I would never compare my weight now to then um but uh it, yeah the um the way I used the gym was just like not optimal yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know what I was doing but I think that's the same with a lot of people you just go yeah. in and kind of go on whatever's free at the gym maybe yeah. but uh, so. yes and so then I ran a lot I ran so I say I ran a lot I I ran a bit <laughs> like when I was at uni I was running a bit more and then um I became a teacher well I say I became a teacher primary school teacher oh, primary school teacher I actually got posted I got posted I didn't get posted I got a teaching placement when I was at um university um at a school in Germany which was an army school um so which cool. it is really it was really cool and you know what it it was just amazing but uh but not a but that's where I met my husband <laughs> So it wasn't a but, but, but I met my husband. I <laughs> yeah. So I met my husband there. And um, and I guess because the army ran a bit more, maybe like I, I kind of got involved with just running a little bit more, but I was very slapdash. Like I did a half marathon um, and I thought I was training for it. And when I look back, I did like four mile runs around the reservoir and then wondered why I couldn't walk for quite a few days afterwards so um so my like my my training history then so yeah I was running a bit more and taught and then we moved around a bit I'm like going around the houses now just thinking there's nothing really to say from that point until um quite a few years later when I had been still running a lot but running with running clubs now so going out and running a bit more it was kind of something I was really committed to doing um 
I was just enjoying being part of a running club. I would make sure I kind of got my however many runs I was doing at the time in. But I probably wasn't very good at listening to my body and resting, which I guess people that get into a routine and the habits and it's properly ingrained can find it hard to let go yeah. of those things. And I don't know if you were like that when you were doing more, but um, yeah, I definitely with rowing and bodybuilding I definitely had like an obsessive Mm. nature around those sports like they're both very much very you know intense and like lots of volume anyway um but I definitely yeah I definitely had obsessions there and it wasn't until with rowing where we actually were coached properly where my training was controlled but then going into a sport from rowing into bodybuilding was basically the same mindset it was like do more until I was again kind of like controlled and learned more as a coach and realized that you could actually bodybuild without driving yourself into the ground um I needed a coach that's what the end of this is is that I needed a coach yeah yeah I, I did run myself into the ground and I say run, and I, I feel like it's, I was I was a teacher that um took on, and I say took on, I mean mentally took on, I felt like this guilt when I was teaching about not managing to be the best for everyone. So I had this like guilt, so emotional stress was pretty high. And then I felt like I had to still run. And even if I was run down and tired, I was still like, oh, but my my it's this day so I need to go out for a run <laughs> and I'd go out and I'd run and um wouldn't necessarily be very far but I remember I'd had some friends come to stay and um one of them had had a sore throat <clears throat> and it's not like oh god I hope she's not listening and I'm feeling bad but because it's not you Carrie <laughs> it's fine um <laughs> but I carried I I caught the sore throat off of her like whatever she had virus she had and I carried on running because I listened to that whole thing about and again obsessive personality if it's below the neck then you're fine to run but if it's above the neck sorry if it's above the neck you're fine to run if it's below the neck then then don't but I only associated that with like if it's chesty not like if you're achy and tired and it's systemic I just went with the the very literal translation of that so I carried (laughs) on running um and then um I went to the doctors because my throat was so sore it's keeping me awake um, and I'm repeating this because Claire's heard this already. But um, no, I went. <laughs> don't like act as if I haven't heard it though, because I don't <laughs> want you to be influenced. <laughs> no, but I, anyway, so I went to the doctors and I went. I've got. I felt so silly, and so anyone that feels silly going to the doctors like about these things, don't because you know you need to. But I went to the doctors and I was like, I've got a really sore throat, but I've had my tonsils removed as a kid and I wonder whether she couldn't like tell so she looked in my throat and she kind of just went oh yeah you've just got a case of pharyngitis just go and gargle with some aspirin and she sent me away and I felt really stupid I was like oh my gosh like oh I'm such a wimp like I had to go to the doctors about a sore throat like they don't need that in in their life anyway it was about two weeks later and I'd been getting a bit of a sore back and um maybe it was like yeah just under two weeks later and um, I'll never forget, I was sitting on the sofa downstairs and um, I said to my husband, I can't stand up. And I was like, <laughs> like giggling, like, I can't stand up. And he was like, what? And I, I, I can't get up. 
and um that was so went, scary it was because it was like I literally couldn't and I rolled I kind of rolled onto the floor and his friend was staying and they were like what and they're trying to get me and it wasn't did like you have before that moment did you have like any apart from the only back, that I'd, like, yeah achy back so you didn't so have it, anything like more oh my god that's so it just went like that well sort of I, I'd been kind of feeling a bit rubbish since I'd been poorly I think just tired but again I just was really bad at listening to my body um and when I and I, my husband phoned 111 and he's like my wife like isn't walking and they're like her muscle in her back's gone into spasm and I was like okay um so you, sh- you kind of need to get up and get moving but it was I don't know I've just never experienced anything like it and then um the doctor gave me diazepam but I couldn't get out the bed to go to work without taking it that was the thing so for a while I was get waking up in the morning taking strong cocodamol taking diazepam and then going to work which is like mental now I look back at it it's like shouldn't have been trying to go to work but I didn't want to let anyone down yeah (laughs) so anyway um then and I'd kind of carried on contacting the doctors about this kind of thinking oh um anyway your life at all no but then it got weirder because they'd said to me uh like I think they said to me you need to keep moving because obviously if you've got muscle 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 spasm then um often moving's good so but but the thing is sometimes muscles go into spasm because they're protecting a joint and what had happened is then I felt even more ridiculous like it was in my head and I was going mad because then it moved to my my um hips and then my feet (laughs) so it was kind of just moving around my body and I was like I'm so embarrassed and but the hip pain was almost worse than the back pain and I was lying in bed and I was in so much pain I went to the doctors and they're like oh we'll book you in for an x-ray and it was going to be two weeks and I was like I'm going to A&E and um, I'm just going my husband took me to A&E and the A&E doctor did my history and he he was brilliant but they gave me I didn't know what it was but they saw that I was in pain and just gave me this liquid to drink when I got in and I was like okay took it but then I was struggling to yeah, but I didn't know, so I took it. And then I kept saying to them afterwards, like, oh, do you have any more of that um, purple stuff? The, the stuff, that stuff, that that helped. And I kept asking for it. And I even asked them to give it to me on prescription. <laughs> I, when I was going home, I was like, oh, can I have some more of that other stuff? And it wasn't until we got home, my husband went, you know, that's diamorph, that's morphine. And I was like, oh, that makes sense that that would work. <laughs> Yeah, I had that after my cesarean and I didn't realise what it was. And I kept asking, can I have the liquid one again, please? Can I have the liquid one again? And I didn't realise, but I'm like, I hope they didn't think I was like addicted to it or something. But nobody told me either. And then they lowered it when I went to the new ward. Anyway, luckily for me, I had this really good um, any doctor who wouldn't let me talk he was like, I don't want to know what anyone else said I don't want to be influenced you just needed to answer my questions and it I was like really that. hard oh but he, I was like nearly crying because I, I couldn't think of the morphine but he was brilliant and then afterwards he went okay this is what we're going to do anyway it turned out they did all these tests and then luckily for me we had an infectious diseases consultant who was down from London and um I had rheumatic fever which is a a rare autoimmune condition like I've gone on about this for too long sorry um a rare autoimmune condition (laughs) but it's um it's like 
it, you get migratory joint pain and it can affect your heart so you can get carditis but it's normally kids that get it and, and what did you say it's like one in how much one in 40,000 or something like that yeah um, and it's usually and it countries abroad yeah so normally it's um countries that don't have access to antibiotics because yeah. obviously if you have antibiotics when you get strep throat so my sore throat that I'd been to the doctors about was actually strep throat so I'd had an autoimmune response to strep um and crazy yeah yeah it is crazy and you know for a long period of my life this kind of consumed my life I, I got put on two weeks bed rest which actually was easy because I was exhausted so I had proper bed rest so I wasn't allowed to get up and that was fine which is unusual for me but um yeah so that was um that was a really challenging time and this is the bit that I think then um I was scared to do stuff because the pain had been so bad and I was still getting joint pain and I don't know if it was like the you know we talk about Claire recommended the book pain is strange and I've done a podcast with a physio before about pain but you can create these kind of neural pathways yeah so if you're in pain for a long time if you've had chronic pain you can still feel that pain even though technically there's not anything necessarily wrong anymore so I was in pain for a long time and I was scared to exercise or run I was scared to run because I thought it would make me feel that pain again and I was scared like I would go riding years ago and I'd been invited to go out horse riding and I was scared to get on I was scared that I wouldn't be able to get on the horse so this is like so different than where I am now and where I was before I got poorly and um and it's like a little kind of thing in my head where right okay well the doctors aren't able to help me so I've got to do something myself yeah and that's when I discovered strength training as in I contacted Nick who um owns the gym that I still involved in and um it changed my life I know I said that in the last podcast but I genuinely think that I've got a lot I owe to him actually probably more than I'd ever say to him <laughs> but maybe he'll listen <laughs> Yeah. and then you know because but it's it's so lovely though that someone can do that for someone and maybe with mm. without even realizing do you know yeah well I mean he believed that I could do the strength work for a start and that's why coaching is so good because they start you where you are right and it's what we do with our clients start you where you are but the best thing <gasps> oh sorry Claire's just brought her cat in and my cat isn't here because I feel like we could have like a cat off now like oh my cat too Hello. your cat is beautiful oh she my goodness beautiful thing in the whole I'm not going to tell Monty but I think she might be more beautiful than Monty um but Monty I is like makes up for it in um in stupidity she's so cute she is very cute I love how much Claire loves cats um yeah so uh Nick um not only got me back into strength training and getting me strong but after I'd been training with him for a couple of years and I was still kind of part-time teaching because I kind of went back to teaching, but not in such a, I was doing more kind of supply and stuff. Um, he contacted me, you know, in the gym, I'll never forget. He said, have you thought about training as a PT? I think you'd be a really good PT. And it was like, it was like what I'd been waiting for somebody to say to me because it was an area oh. that I loved. Mm. And it was just kind of almost having somebody believe that you could was all mm -hmm. I needed. And then, and then I worked at his gym and, um, and I still go and hang out there um, and pretend I'm like 
I have got one girl lady that I am um, going to see, but the rest of the time I'm just pretending <laughs> that I'm still with them. Just hanging about. Hey guys. Just hanging about. Yeah. They're yeah. lovely. I, I just feel again feel really lucky that the gym community that I've been involved in has all been with lovely people. I think it makes a big difference to your yeah, like you hear people that have gone to gyms and have bad experiences because people have been not very welcoming and I think that is rare I think most of the time people are quite encouraging but it couldn't be enough yeah. to never somebody never to go back again yeah I think I think people generally are um really encouraging I think it's a lot to do with how that person thinks about themselves though when they go to a gym they'll think oh people must be thinking this and that's not necessarily what the other people are thinking it's it's how that person's feeling and it's not their fault it's you know it's how they're feeling and it's valid but it's a shame because it does influence but do you not find that you can have that you're not so much um like with the gym environment but if you're feeling a bit low in mood you're on whatever feeling a bit emotional you feel like you're like more likely to feel like that you step in somewhere and you're like oh I think that they and like where you'd never normally be like that so yeah. often our mood and I know that in our other podcasts that you're never gonna hear um Claire spoke about how she um like obviously is very experienced in the gym but now I don't think we spoke about it in the original one but anyway about how even now going in after having Tommy it took some it took some yeah. kind of confidence to get in there you know yeah to... like I remember walking in the first time like I felt it was really weird I felt confident going mm. like I was like yeah I'm going to the gym but when I got there it's like everything was I don't know I just all my confidence just went so then I just found like a little spot in the corner and like stayed there and then I just started off with like the machines where I could just sit there playing like on my phone in between sets to like hide just do what I needed to do and then get out whereas that's such a different person to what I used to do I would go in and be like um you know more skimpy clothes not skimpy clothes but like tight clothes like really confident and I was like the biggest baggy t-shirt I could find um kind of like I don't know bobbling about trying to like just bobbling. get this thing <laughs> instead of like yeah I feel good like so I think the way I thought about myself was definitely bringing me down so much like I think if I just maintained the confidence that I had actually going I would have felt better whilst there like oh but... absolutely I, I think being I think um after children like you've lost control of your body for quite a long time so even though like you can do an element of training through pregnancy but then you've got the whole birth thing <laughs> that you have yeah. that they have to come out like they have can't stay happen. there somehow <laughs> and I remember that it was actually like walking keeping active before I'm just going to talk Hector was like my first child you know I felt heavy and a bit cumbersome during the pregnancy but I could still go out walking I put on a lot of weight by the way in pregnancy um but I still felt in but then you've got a baby 
what did you do? Like, what? Yeah. Like, you've suddenly got a baby and you've gone, I had a C-section with Hector. Did you ever? Yeah, C-section. Yeah, and I think that, again, you've had major surgeries, so you're not going to go straight into doing, like, abdominal surgery. You're not going to go straight into doing, like, so, so you suddenly feel like you've lost quite a lot of your identity as a yeah, person. Yeah, so, so much. Like, you're not independent, you've got this person I, I call him my boob barnacle because he's like attached to my boob obviously like breastfeeding and like so you've got this person that has to come along with you you can't just like put them down for three hours and go to the gym like and it's frowned yeah. upon sure <laughs> why um and yeah like just not being able to move as well as I could and the strength and I was obviously still sore as well like because it, it's yeah. really sore um so yeah it's it's definitely a, it was definitely a big change I feel better now and I have a barbell at home and I started to lift and I can lift some of the things that I was doing pre-pregnancy now but not all of them um and that has just given me the boost I needed the thing is like and, and we said this definitely on your podcast it like you have that period of time where you kind of almost are relinquishing a bit of control over this period of your life and for me I definitely saw it as like a stage in my life where I was having kids and I still between Hector and Arthur I still like I joined a running club um after having Hector and I got back into running and so on and I got fit and I lost my pregnancy weight and then I got pregnant again but I kind of almost in my head was like well I'll try I'll try my best um but I can't guarantee what's going to happen at the end like again and yeah. in fact the second pregnancy I think was better for that because I I didn't have this like probably unrealistic expectations that I had in my first um but it's worth it hey it's worth it it is it is off I mean, oh, Tommy's the key I mean the pain of that day wasn't <laughs> it was oh like I literally thought I wanted to die like at one point like it was so bad but <laughs> but if you're pregnant now. it doesn't it's not always like that <laughs> no no it's not sorry <laughs> no 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 it's fine because I do that because I had two tricky I had I had two back-to-back babies but um yeah. you know like you kind of think you hear about people that have it like and they'll say I loved it like I enjoyed it and I'm like how I loved being pregnant I actually loved being pregnant like it was different and I did miss being able to go into the gym and just be like I don't know clean snatch blah 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 like I, I still did some versions of Olympic lifting but I still I, I had to be like derivatives um but because I could still like deadlift like around 100 and like bench quite a lot like I was still doing really big numbers up until the end it wasn't it was just like less dynamic it was more static and like you know powerlifting lifts rather than like Olympic lifts but I didn't feel really much different compared to like after the bit after was harder for me than during pregnancy I agree that the bit after can feel harder and again that all depends because I've had friends that have had like everything's been quite simple yeah um and I you know I just remember that it feels harder and you might be a bit anemic and you're tired and all of those things going on as well and your sleepless nights um it's just it 
it's just learning you've never been a mum before and suddenly this little thing is so dependent on you and um but mine are 11 and 13 now and going to be 12 and 14 quite soon so it's like suddenly loads of freedom dare I say it I say loads of freedom that obviously I can't just abandon them (laughs) completely but um but they they don't actually that like they didn't need me in fact they would be really upset if I started trying to mother over mother them um (laughs) but they and both my boys again I mentioned this on the previous podcast both of them are on the autistic spectrum um which kind of isn't surprising for me because I have we have quirky kind of people around us I'm like mate it kind of you know I was never I think my my friend said to me you're never gonna have like vanilla children I think she said (laughs) and I'm like she might have a point and my husband (laughs) is probably like along that I kind of thought his quirkiness was down to brain damage he does actually have brain damage I'm not being rude I'm not saying that but um (laughs) just realized um but um yeah it's um they you know they have their kind of issues but they're they're pretty good the thing about autistic kids is they might have things that they get anxious over and get more overwhelmed. And this is different for all autistic children because mine are like what would have been Asperger's. They're like high functioning, but they're pretty like black and white. So you can like, I, I feel like as long as you explain why things are happening, life can be pretty simple um, yeah. for us. So actually things are like at home, things are are, are good. Now the boys are oh. older and things. How young were they when you found that out? And so Hector, I think I would always thought like it sounds weird, and I'm not saying don't panic if you're pregnant and this <laughs> you're having this baby. But um, it wasn't until I had Arthur I didn't I realised that not all pregnant bumps behaved like this. So um, so Hector, when I was pregnant, I was going to the antenatal classes, and I remember people were like, oh my god, and um, he, he wouldn't stop moving like it was like he was trying to claw his way out of my belly. It was just like all the time. And it was, you could just see it. And then Arthur wasn't like that at all. Um, And then when he was born, I remember like, even when he was very late, he was two weeks in the day late, he was induced. And this again, he's back to back. So he came out um, and he had like pretty good control already. But I remember like hugging him and occasionally he'd like push away. And I was like, how is this baby already trying to get away from me? Um, like I'm doing baby massage and he's he'd always like again you're doing baby massage they're young but he learned to roll over quite young and it was like he was trying to fight away from me all the time <laughs> and um and he was just like we used to joke we used to be like oh Hector's poorly you can get a cuddle <laughs> and he just didn't like hugging and now he will give a hug but it's on his terms um and he's very private so on Instagram you'll think I've got one child um and I think with Hector, um, I, I think it was when he was like two, he had a, a lazy eye and we went and they uh, we went to the um, opticians with him. So he got glasses when he was like two, but it was the nursery. We were like, yeah, he's quirky, you know. Um, and then it was when he was starting reception. I said to the preschool kind of teacher, I was like, do you think he's autistic? And she, and actually I didn't get offended by this. She laughed and went, oh gosh, yes. And I was like, okay. And then I, I got, we got a diagnosis. He didn't get his diagnosis until he was like six or seven because it just takes a while. And then like 
but um yeah and then after it takes a while because of just to go tests, through the system or... no it like there's a big wait list for getting oh, an autism okay. diagnosis and perhaps because he then moved to school yeah it just took a long time it just took ages because they have various things that are going through the you're on the wait list and then you have to go and be seen and then you have to go back and it's like so he um he got diagnosed with autism and then Arthur got diagnosed and Arthur's like probably autism ADHD but he's completely different like he'd hug people when they didn't you shouldn't hug them so when he was little oh. he was like the opposite he'd go oh, he'd introduce him to that. a stranger I know only he was like he'd be like oh I know what to do we're meant to hug and then he'd like hug a stranger and go to give them a big kiss and you'd be like no 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 no, no. <laughs> just <laughs> stop um so oh. yeah but so I with Arthur it was a bit later um and both of them had like communication like they had speech and language when they were little, little because they were saying really comp- like Hector could read really really early but he wasn't necessarily having decent conversations. It was really weird. He could read and then, but he wasn't necessarily understanding it. Anyway, so that's- my computer in, sorry. That's okay. So yeah, I've gone on a little bit about children. If anyone's got uh, neurodiverse children. <laughs> I do, no, but like... I, I think that uh, like anyone working with us, I think, well, one, I think anyone, so this is really kind of good for anyone to know, but I think anyone working with us, like, I don't know how easily people will tell other people about that, but if it's, I'm assuming it's not the easiest. No, um, I don't have, yeah, don't have an, I don't have a straightforward home life. And I'm not like, say, I, yeah. I don't share it very often on Instagram yeah. because it's not that I'm not private, I don't mind people knowing, but I don't want people to feel sorry for me because I'm very happy yeah. with my life. Does yeah, that make sense? I, yeah. I feel like if there's anyone else that is in Commit to Six that has this, like, I just think that people knowing this, it, it's, it's mm. going to be really good for then people to then to talk to you about situations that, say, I might not understand. But also, like, we were chatting about this in our other podcast, the secret podcast um we were chatting about this then and it it's kind of making sure that people know that um you have to find balance too like there are things that kind of get not get in the way that sounds really awful but like there are challenges that come through life and I and I'm not saying my children like the biggest challenge um and you know I I met I haven't mentioned it today but I mentioned in the other podcast about my husband who has um I briefly mentioned it today about my husband who's got frontal lobe damage. Um, so he has like um, issues because he's got acquired brain injury where he's good some days, really good, but then he's really not on other times. So things like go up and down. And I think that's the thing. And Emma, I, I quote Emma, I think she said like, because um, I always say it's unrealistic to expect the same of yourself like every day but em would say your best will look different every day and i kind of like that more like my best on the days yeah. where things are harder at home isn't going to be the same as when things are really easy at home yeah but, but i always show up still you know in whatever way i can yeah and that's, and that's the same when you've got a baby at home you know tommy might not follow the same ideas that you're going to follow no <laughs> like his planning he's planning ahead but it's like minutes no seconds <laughs> yeah and like 
some days I think we're in a routine and it'll be like, oh yeah, he usually does this, this and this. And then the next day he's like, he's heard me say that and he's like, no mom, that's not what I want to do. And it's completely different, like a completely different day, completely different routine. Um, So yeah, yeah, definitely. I do, do, Tommy is absolutely adorable. And can I just say like, I'm not, it it sounds horrible when I say I'm not a baby person, but I'm like I remember when I was pregnant, people would give me their babies. They'd be like, "Oh, like you want to practice?" And I'd be like, "Well, I will if it'll help you. Like I'll hold <laughs> the baby if it helps you." But I really like children. But there's certain babies that just look super cute, and Tommy is definitely one of those. He's got like big, big oh, eyes. No. He's so cute. He's really cute because I think most babies, when they're born, you're a bit like, "Oh," <laughs> like yeah. even when I look back at little... pictures of mine, I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, they're I thought they were so beautiful. Yeah, I know. Oh. But um, yeah, I liked, and again, it's probably why I was teaching. But I, I always liked like them when they could start like communicating back a bit more. So even like six months onwards. So Tommy's into that like stage now yeah. where they're talking it's, back at you. Like making him laugh is like my favorite thing ever. Like I love it so much. I'm you need like, to record oh, that. Yeah, I have, I think I've got a few little videos, but I'll try and find them. But more recently, like it's definitely more engaging, but I just love it. Like, and it makes me just think about everything differently. Like I can be eating an apple and he'll start laughing at me. (laughs) And I'm like, why can't I be like, why can't I just find funny shit like that? You know, I mean, (laughs) that is a bonus, Claire, of having autistic (laughs) children because they say brilliant things. Arthur told me the other day, and he wasn't saying it to be offended. And I, I'm taking it as a compliment that it was intended. But he said to me he was really pleased that he had thick, powerful thighs like me. <laughs> oh. like, cool. But Tommy's, you know, if he's laughing at you eating an apple, he's going to be embarrassed about the way you eat that apple one day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you eat it like that. <laughs> they are joys, aren't they? They are lovely. But I feel like, you know... Um, I'm almost up to date with the um, story now. I've had kids, yeah. got married, ha- uh, went to uni. Ha- I say I haven't used the degree. I have used a degree because I think teaching and coaching actually go hand in hand in the sense that there's a lot of skills that overlap. Um, and then I moved away, yeah. met Nick, yeah, met Nick, moved away. I lived, we lived away for a year. And um, during that time, I started online coaching. Like everyone, it was COVID. Off. Yes, moved to Barbados. Oh. I try not to keep this too long because I went, yeah, but it was lovely, really nice. And um, but that did like a lot of people it pushed them into the online world of coaching. Yeah. And so I was coaching from there. And then when I moved home, um, I carried on doing online coaching, did a bit of in person in the gym. And actually, weirdly, I remember listening, I remember being in the gym in Barbados and um listening to a podcast, and now I think it was fitness unfiltered. Because it was Emma and, um, like, I think it was Dr. Mike, you know, that one. And I was listening to that. And I remember working out in the gym and being like, oh, my goodness, that girl, she knows so much, so much. But I just, like, it was years ago. I didn't, like, and I was listening to it a bit and started following her. And then um, when I heard she was doing business coaching, somebody somebody who was with a coach that I'd used before was like, oh, um, Emma Story Gordon's doing business coaching. And... um. I got in touch with her and 
my main area of interest I, d- I did extra training in, in it was then menopause because selfishly I know it's coming <laughs> and also I had quite a lot of clients who were menopausal and I really wanted to be able to help them a bit more so I did this menopause training and obviously Emma's interest is menopause yeah um and um I didn't even know that she was on the lookout for another coach so it just felt like the planets sort of aligned and it yeah. just you know it just sometimes things happen like that don't they and I no yeah. looking back it's just been amazing being with you guys sure I I'm so like because obviously we joined was it like similar a month time or yeah yeah I like end of April I think I joined but like I didn't start you... the commit to six state but I was like I kind of they were introducing me at the end of April I believe I think I was June yeah so I did May I think I did the whole of May and then you yeah. joined mm. yeah and it, it's so good mm. yeah it, it is amazing it, uh, we have we have such a nice community like and I know people say that all the time but we really do like if you go into the community and you say I'm struggling with this or I've got this like they are on it right before we've even got in as coaches to be support they're just lovely and they'll say nice things about us as well. And it's just, they're just really lovely. I'm like, oh, I know where to go for an ego boost. These guys are so nice. <laughs> they're so good. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's, it is a really lovely place. Uh, lovely coaches, obviously. Yeah. It's us. <laughs> I, I, and Andy. It, and think, Andy. And Emma. Yeah, I think um, it's the whole like ethos around like the imperfect action and like being kind to yourself and all of this like it just changes the environment compared to like situations I've been in before like obviously I've worked a lot in sport and the environment there is a lot more cutthroat and competitive exactly Mm. so there's there are emotions especially because I've worked in an we're not especially there's emotions with males and females but I've worked in a lot of youth female sport so there is a lot of like teenage girl emotions that go about that Mm. because obviously they go through a lot during that time like school college and their body and so there's a lot you have to talk to them about um but even that it's a lot more like cutthroat and competitive compared to like the group that we're in it's just so compassionate and I don't know just lovely and it's like, probably the right place for where you are I know you like you're still what you're obviously still working in strength and conditioning but it's probably the right place for where you are like in this stage of life because yeah because you can understand this more now as well you can like you know you're yeah. you're living we're all living this life as well you know we're not trying to be perfect ourselves it's yeah no it's it's aligned and I feel like I can actually like help and understand a lot more now yeah. um yeah and yeah I had agreed you did your I, for this natal as well didn't you yeah I, did. I said that I'd forgotten that last time forgot it again yeah, yeah when yeah. I the first group that I started so I did um like uh, in person one-to-one PT but I was like oh I'm gonna do a group as well like a fitness class and I did um 
the mum's group and people bought their babies. And then I did another one that another day. So I did it on a Tuesday and Thursday and then people bought their toddlers. It was oh. carnage, like yeah. carnage. And um, I spent the whole time, like I'd put the workout on the board and put the music on and they play and we we're in this room. I would just be lifting children up, bouncing them on balls, playing. And I think somebody got a picture of me and I was like, doesn't look like a fitness coach. I'm literally just playing with the kids and they used yeah. to come. And I, oh, I, I, they'd come and they'd just rock in. And I'd be sweeping up Cheerios at the end of the uh, class where these kids had like been eating. They were gorgeous. I loved it. But um, that was my, I did pre and postnatal. And again, like you, like back then that was a little bit closer to where I'd been. So like you almost can relate. So I was doing pre and postnatal because it was like, oh, that's what I would have wanted when I'd had my kids. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted to do. And then now I'm like, I'm 41 um it's coming menopause is coming I've got clients at um, that age I did the training in menopause because it felt the right sort of thing to do um yeah. and it's been helpful yeah there we go I think we're there oh can I ask you one question of... yeah that's all of me there's uh, it's not very it's not very complex well no it's kind of we've made it sound more complex but no it's a really nice story <laughs> did but we get just... any did we get yeah. anything in the last one that we didn't get in this one? Yeah, pre and postnatal. Because <laughs> oh, I didn't mention that last time. And I don't know. I mean, we talked probably a bit more about Barbados last time, but there's not much to say apart from it was incredible. Um, and I'm very lucky that we had that experience. Um, but uh, like, um, I think everything else we covered, the only thing that I had did we did talk about was the first time that you remember lifting a barbell because I liked this because oh. Claire's human too <laughs> Claire's yeah. not all just S and C um she started because everyone starts so I think I said that I feel like there was a few different starting points in I like the first one was I remember I found dumbbells at home when I was I must have been like 13 or something and I literally just used to like play with them. Like, so I would like. Jane Fonda. Yeah, like lift them in different ways and angles. Like, I didn't know anything. I think then you couldn't Google stuff. Or you could, but it would be like a big mission, like firing up this oh, giant. Oh, you're, you're 37, aren't you? Yeah. Because I thought you were younger than that. You're obviously yeah. looking really good, but yeah, there was no Google. <laughs> so it you can just have access to like youtube and everything so easily um and i remember it was magazines with sometimes like little workouts in them so i think i learned a little bit from that and that was the first thing i did and then as soon as i could go to the gym because i always played sports so i was always doing stuff but then as soon as i could go to the gym i went and that's when we talked about how similar to you i'd just go around all of the machines and that was like any machine like I'd just go on it and do like three by ten or something and then um one of my boyfriends at the time he showed me how to do an RDL and some lunges I remember that and my hamstrings were dead the next day I think I just did the bar uh, so that was like free weight stuff um and I did a little bit more with some of the rowers but it was all wasn't really very good 
And then it was when I was an intern with Glasgow Warriors and the coach Stuart Yule is one of the best SNC coaches you'll ever meet. Um, he put the barbell on my back to do a squat and I did like a crappy quarter squat, which I thought was really good. And he's like, where's the depth? That's when he made me do a proper ass to grass squat. And I remembered it was just the barbell. And I was like, I feel like I can't get up. <laughs> like the barbell was so heavy going through that range of motion. Um, and that's when I pro- properly started to lift because I think I'd done a little bit of cleans and snatches on this like SNC qualification I'd done before. Um, but from that point, I lifted properly. And I, yeah, from going from the barbell to 100, it's possible. Like, it's not I know, like I, I can't. Can. That's an amazing squat. I was really happy with it. I definitely couldn't do that right now. But the thing is, you're like, I always think that deadlift, you can lift more on a deadlift than a squat. But there's some people that are lifting very similar on a squat and a deadlift as well. Um, yeah, I think my deadlift at the time was 117. Yeah, but that's quite close, I think. It is, yeah. For, yeah, was, for a squat. Yeah, I'd like to get 130 deadlift. I think that sounds cool. I could only do that on a trap bar at the moment. That's <laughs> I don't good. Think I, could do straight, I, could, I don't think I could do it straight bar. Um, I know I couldn't, in fact, because I, um, I've i had this cold and bug and been a bit run down, and I did try and lift heavy the other day, and it was pretty shocking. What did you get? Uh. I actually failed 110, which is something I used to find quite easy. So I was a bit annoyed with myself because the bar just slipped out of my hand. But um, I I can do like, I mean, to be, it's a bit annoying because I um, actually did my testing before I started and it was 110. And then I carried on and got worse. But that's just because I've been run down. So I'm not, yeah, the coaching is fine. But yeah, but um, I, I was still hoping to get the same. I just think that, most females that get over a hundred, I think that's a really good number for them. No matter what their weight, whether they're fifty, whether they're ninety, I just think over a hundred is like impressive. Yeah. But I, I think when I'm run down, I, I do, I could, I love the feeling of going heavy on a trap bar because I, like, I feel like I'm, like, I can still lift heavy. But I'm not yeah, heavy, and I still have to sense. concentrate, obviously. But it's just, like takes pressure off the back. It's more of an ego lift, yeah. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't actually done uh, one rep max on a, a trap bar for ages, but I can rep the same max amount that I could one rep max, if that makes sense. Like I can, but I did do lower handle trap bar today, so that's quite nice. Oh, but that's quite nice. So, but yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of not similar actually because I didn't have an amazing SNC coach for Glasgow Warriors getting me to squat for the first time, but Nick, um, and um. I was probably doing quarter squats as well. And I remember getting him saying about re-racking and I was really gently putting the bar back on the rack. And he's like, yeah. you just walk it in. You just walk it in. Like slam it, drop. Yeah, slam it. And then put it down. Yeah. You'll know it's there because you hit the thing. Yeah. And that took, I was so delicate, like, which never been said about me, but so delicately kind of walking in and trying to place it on and then looking either side to make sure it's in the rack. And then you're like, um, oh, I've missed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I remember about the first time um, squatting with a barbell is being really like tentative about re-racking. So yeah. yeah, less so now, but yeah. Anyway, 
there we go thank you Claire thank you for doing it again because you're an angel for coming back the second I mean, time if it was mine that had to be re-recorded I'd be pretty sad because <laughs> um, I feel like oh my yeah. god I don't want to talk about myself again but hearing your story again I think it was really good and I think um there was a bit more confidence talking about it this time yeah you know? yeah I think it, it flowed more yeah. Yeah, I think so. And we actually spent about 10 minutes talking about cake last time because I like baking. <laughs> and I remember that. I was sharing, we were, we were having like favourite recipe chats. We can save that for another podcast. So if yeah, anyone wants to know any of mine, me. yeah, if anyone wants to know mine and Claire's favourite recipes to bake, then I'll drop us a DM willing yeah. to share. Uh, can I just say they're all puck yeses. None of them are like ones that are going to, if you ate loads of them, take you towards your goals that they're, they're in, indulgent puck yes items but always happy to share those as well yeah anyway thank you very much I will Bye. end it here anything you want to say before we go love you all <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our podcast we appreciate all of you now if you did wonder where to find us online Claire and I are both coaches for ESG Fitness as part of the Commit to Six and the one-to-one coaching. And we can be found on Instagram at Claire underscore ESG Fitness and also Ruth underscore ESG Fitness. And then, of course, Emma herself, ESG Fitness. Thank you very much.